I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. It seems everywhere you turn today, there's a discussion of electric vehicles. The recently enacted infrastructure law invests $7.5 billion in electric vehicle charging. The manufacturer of electric vehicles is on the bargaining table with the current United Auto Workers Union strike. Electric vehicle technology is certainly impacting humanity. To help us understand the facts, I'm pleased to have Cam Pegg on this episode of Conversations with the Creators. He's the Vice President of Strategy at Critical Mass where he works on many accounts, including BMW. Cam's LinkedIn says that he sits at the intersection of the strategic and operational, using market insights to match business capabilities with customer needs. What I know about Cam is he's smart and driven, a marathoner, a workaholic, and a really nice guy. He's filled with fascinating facts like this. The military tells anyone who presents to them to be bluff. B-L-U-F. Bottom line up front. So let's do that, Cam. Let's put the bottom line up front. How fast are consumers adapting to buying electric vehicles? That's a that's a really interesting question, Neil. Um, so consumers are adapting quite quickly. Uh, you know, we, we can see from all of the press that you know, EVs are, are growing at a really rapid rate, but there are some areas that still are creating a little bit of, um, I guess, reluctance in the consumer base, or um, you know, just sort of having people think twice about what uh, you know what an EV could mean for them. So while the adoption, while the adoption rather is is coming along very very quickly, I think we're moving from that sort of early adopter phase to more of the um, you know sort of early mass market um, phase of of EV adoption. I think it's. Yeah, you know, we're we're probably midway up that curve. Um, so, so we're so not why, quite in mass market. So why are people why are people adopting it? Is is it that they believe this is the eco friendly way to drive in twenty twenty three? That's definitely part of it. I think there there is certainly a, a, a sustainability or a, a, an ecological aspect to it. But I think for a lot of people, they're realizing how. Um, I guess how viable an EV can be for them just as a daily driver. It, it makes actually makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Um, you know, we know here in the US that the vast majority, you know, sort of 90% plus of car trips are less than sort of 10 miles. You know, most people are doing you know, trips around their house, going to the grocery store, taking the kids to school or to soccer or any of those sorts of things. And for those types of um, applications, an EV is actually a very useful vehicle. It's, you know, um, they they make a lot of sense. You know the the amount of electricity you burn in a trip like that is is far less than the amount of gas you would burn. Mm-hmm. You know the equivalent. It's, it's very interesting to me be, about um, electric vehicles because it used to be Tesla was out there. It was all Tesla. Yep. I saw a commercial last night where Toyota was saying they have more. Um, I don't remember if it was electric vehicles or eco friendly vehicles than any other car brand. Um, are all these EVs the same? How are, or how are they different? 
No, that, that's a, yeah, there, there is a pretty wide range of EVs here. So, I mean, Tesla have done a great job of marketing theirs and, and have kind of come sin, become synonymous with EVs. You know, they're, they're sort of battery electric. So that's one type of EV. So that's the, the pure battery electric vehicle or, or BEV. Um, then you're sort of working along that spectrum. You then have hybrids. So Toyota make a lot of hybrids. And then within hybrids, there's actually two varieties there as well. So you've got your plug-in hybrids. So it's a, a hybrid vehicle that you can actually plug in uh, to the wall and, and it can charge the batteries that way. Or you've got sort of the pure hybrid. So if you think back to the original Prius and things like that, couldn't plug those in. Um, the, the way it generated electricity is is through, you know, the, the engine. So, you know, sort of waste energy from the engine or regenerative braking would help charge the batteries there. And then those batteries would be used to extend the range of the vehicle. Um, and then further along the, the spectrum as well from uh, you've got uh, fuel cell EVs. So hydrogen powered vehicles. So not as common here in the US, um, becoming more common. Um, great applications for different sort of uh I, I guess different needs. So battery EVs great in, in sort of temperate climates like where we live don't work so well in the cold. Um, so you know, in a, in a, you know, a country like Sweden or Norway, for example, like battery EVs, you know, with the drop in temperature, they become less efficient, harder to, you know, the, the batteries need a certain temperature to work properly. Uh, whereas hydrogen or fuel cell powered vehicles don't have that problem. So, you know, there's, there's a range of EVs, um, you know, they, they, they tend to suit different applications, different markets. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun space though. So, so a, a Tesla would operate better in a Florida than in a New York or in um, a Maine? I'm, yeah, possibly. I mean, more so during the winter. I mean, yeah. Tesla, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're probably, when we're talking really cold, you know, if you're living sort of north, uh, even north of the United States, so even parts of Canada, like you, I would say, you know, Tesla, you might want to think about it, you know, during the depths of winter, but for most part of the year, generally okay. It's interesting. When I was in Florida this summer, I saw lots of, a lot, a lot of Teslas down there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, Tesla are doing a, a great job of, I mean, they've, yeah, as I said, like they've become synonymous with EVs, particularly here in the US. Um, you know, they've done a, a great job and they, they had quite a long lead on, in, in terms of mass production of EVs. Um, so definitely a first mover advantage there for Tesla. They've they've done a, a really great job in getting their vehicles out, but all the other manufacturers are really coming at them hard now. They have to. I mean, you know, that's where mm. the trends are going. But well, let's. Well, I want to. I want to. I want to dive into um, the environmental benefits of EV, mm-hmm. and then I really I want to understand since there is such a diversity of EVs out there, or even. Um, you know, eco plugins and things like that. Which are the most eco friendly? Which are the least eco friendly? You know, uh, uh, are we being um, misled as to um, their 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 yeah. benefits? I, Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I w- I wouldn't say we're being misled. I I do think that there is probably a little bit of a misunderstanding around the the some of the uh, ecological or the more sustainable uh, benefits for EVs. So there's certainly a huge benefit in terms of you know, not burning fossil fuels. That's a you know, right from the outset. That's you know uh, you, it puts you a long way ahead. But there is and you know, I mean there's been a ton of press around it. There is an impact to making EVs. Um, batteries require a lot of you know sort of rare earth metals um, that to to create the batteries, like to create the cells. So lithium, for example, um, you know, it's in 
it's in every battery really it's in your phone your your computer so it requires a lot of lithium to make these battery packs and the the impacts of mining lithium um if it's not done uh i mean the, the if it's not done in a way that's you know uh, that observes any sort of environmental management practices, it can be quite destructive. Um, you know, I mean, and, and lithium, you know, the, the tailings from lithium mines, you know, they, they can be uh, quite destructive if it's, if it's not managed well. Um, and any manufacturer that has a, you know, a reasonable sort of supply chain management um, function within their businesses, and I would say the majority of them do, they try and manage that as best they can, but there is an impact. It's, you know, they are pulling, they're extracting, um, you know, these minerals from the ground. So it's, it's not, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't say it's a panacea for, you know, environmental, um, all of the environmental concerns, but it is, I think, you know, in, in my opinion, at least on balance better than, you know, the, the fossil fuel alternatives, better than internal combustion in, in many, many ways. So if you had to identify which brands are offering the best eco-benefits, sustainable benefits or which products is that po- is that something you would feel comfortable doing? Oh, okay, that, that, I mean that's a really tough question I, I honestly I don't really know enough about the, okay. the supply chains of all of the manufacturers to make that call but I would say you know, if you're buying you know, uh, an EV from a you know, a reputable reputable manufacturer so you know looking across the the brands so you know there's the you know Obviously, I'm biased, but you know, BMW, um, Toyota, Tesla, you know, they 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 tend to try at least to manage um, the the impacts that they have. Um, yeah, as but as I said, you know, it's it's certainly not zero impact, but it is you know on balance, I think a much better alternative. So, uh, so how do you how do you translate that? I mean, this sounds like a very complicated. Um, concept to understand how do you translate mm-hmm. that into messaging and advertising that is understandable and meaningful to consumers that doesn't sound me too yeah it's that's a, i mean that's a um a problem i think that everyone's really struggling with in the market right now and yeah. you know we've seen over the you know sort of the last several years like the ev marketing has really evolved you know it started off i mean toyota sort of got the ball rolling with the Prius many years ago and, and we're positioning that as a much more uh, eco-friendly alternative, which it is. Um, but then you sort of have, you know, Tesla comes along with their battery EV and, and takes that to the next level. And the, really the direct comparisons were made there just on a pure, you know, um, the amount of electricity you need to run an EV versus the, the amount of gas you need to run uh, an internal combustion engine, you know, sort of doing a direct comparison there. It's things have sort of moved a little bit, um, yeah. And and the the sustainable marketing, I think you know, a lot of manufacturers are trying to be a little bit more open about what their supply chains are like, so you can actually sort of get a more of a sense of of how they're going about doing all of this, uh, you know, sort of or getting getting all the materials necessary. A lot of manufacturers are also with their EVs using a much higher percentage of recycled uh, materials in constructing them. So there's a an overall story around evs that's not just centered around the batteries or not just centered around the the amount of fuel that you need to run the vehicle it's centered around the the total construction of it and and the life cycle of the vehicle um you know a lot, a lot of manufacturers now are moving to a much more circular uh, uh life cycle for their vehicles so you know the, the materials are 
not only recycled, but can be more easily recycled one, uh, after the useful life of the vehicle. So there's a whole story around that, that sort of environmental piece uh, and the sustainability piece um, that is becoming a bit more prominent in the marketing. On the consumer side though, I mean, people are driven by price. Um, and we found, you know, the EVs are a little bit more expensive than the, the equivalent internal combustion vehicle. That's you know, just the nature of the market. It's, it's still an emerging technology. It's going to get cheaper over time. You know, we will follow that, that normal sort of pricing curve. And we, we are following that pricing curve right now. Um, and so where you start to see some of the messaging change, uh, you know, a lot of where there's a, I, I guess, a, a move from this sort of price you know, and using discounting to drive behavior more to like creating a, a better understanding of the value that the vehicle can bring over time. So it's, it's more of a value perception piece than it is just a pure pricing piece. Um, if you, you know, if you're going to get into that cycle of discounting and, and, you know, playing purely on price, that's not sustainable for any business over time and it devalues your product. So by creating messaging that better focuses on the value, that the, the vehicles can bring, um, you can actually create, I think, a, a much better customer understanding of what they're buying and, and what they're going to get over the, the life of the vehicle. I mean, a, a vehicle is a pretty long, long cycle purchase, right? Like you're going to have it for a number of years. So understanding like over this period of time, I'm going to get this amount of value added is, is a much better sort of platform from which to build your, your marketing and, and your, your customer messaging. Do you find that people are leasing um, more or buy, are actually buying um, or is it the same percentages as in the previous car market before? We're, we're seeing a roughly similar sort of set of behaviors. I think you know, the, the, the purchasing behaviors, particularly here in America, I think are, are fairly ingrained. America has a much higher percentage of, of people leasing rather than outright purchasing vehicles. Um, so we sort of see similar behaviors um, around EVs as well. So in that sense, like it, it operates, I think, you know, from at least from what I've seen, fairly similarly to the, the broader market. Mm -hmm. So Tesla clearly has the, is the, is the, is the, um, had, is leading the pack. Uh, mm -hmm. who, who's right behind Tesla? I mean, there's, it's, it's, there's like, I mean, Tesla definitely has a, a strong lead there, but you'll see a lot of the I think the, the remainder of the market is playing out similarly to what we're seeing. So in the, the luxury vehicles market, you have, you know, sort of BMW, Mercedes, Audi, um, you know, sort of fighting it out there. Um, in the, the mass vehicle markets, you've got, you know, sort of uh, Chevrolet, um, uh, Toyota, obviously, we've spoken about, uh, and, and then companies like VW. Um, so Volkswagen are, are coming out, they, their electric vehicles are, are quite popular. So it's, I think the, the market dynamics, or at least the sales dynamics, uh, are playing out roughly similar to what we see more broadly, um, I guess, you know, similarly to purchase behaviors. Um, it's just Tesla's dominance in the market is sort of distorting things right now. So it makes it very difficult to sort of get an accurate judge on how everyone else is playing out. But it, I mean, every manufacturer is, is coming to market with EVs now, and um, some are doing a better job than others. I mean, some of the the vehicles, you know, personally, I look at them and go, that's, that's a weird looking car. I don't think I'd drive that. Right. Um, but then you get other manufacturers that are essentially making electric versions of the, their popular vehicles and are doing incredibly well. You know, it's like Ford with their, uh, the Mustang marquee. It's, 
yeah, I mean, that's a car, like the, the original Mustang is, is a car built for people who love cars. You know, it's a, yeah, the American muscle car. Um, the electric version of it, though, looks, you know, almost exactly the same. Um, it just happens to be driven. You know, the, the drivetrain is is electric rather than, than gas. Do, do they perform the same? I mean, they perform very differently. You know, it's, okay. you know, an electric vehicle, I mean, one of the, the big benefits and one of the things that, that you know, people seem to like about electric vehicles is just the, the feeling of sort of direct power. Um, you know, there's the acceleration of electric vehicles is a lot higher than a gas vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there are you know, different performance characteristics. And I mean, the way the vehicles handle can be a little bit different as well. Obviously, batteries are quite heavy. So manufacturers are having to sort of rethink the way they design their vehicles to make sure that the vehicles, you know, the, the center of gravity is staying low. So the, you know, the, the vehicles drive well, you know, they actually feel nice to drive. Um, so there's, there's a lot, you know, there are different differences in performance. A lot of people who are, you know, sort of your, your diehard car people, and that's certainly not me, um, yeah, but they, they, they love the feeling of driving you know, there's the that sort of almost visceral element to it you know the the sound and the feel um a lot of them don't necessarily love evs because they're almost silent um and you know they're you know they they just don't feel like a, a a gas car and that's i mean that's great it's you know there are you know, everyone does their own thing but yeah it's i think there's a yeah you know, it's just a, it's a it's a very different um, sort of, uh, I guess there's a di- different set of stimulus that you get from an EV that you know, don't get from a nice vehicle. So, so let's, if it's okay, I'd like to dive a little mm-hmm. bit into BMW and performance because mm-hmm. B- BMW specifically, you know, the, the ultimate driving machine, they built their brand, they invented yeah. performance, they built their brand on performance and you know, from 1979 to 2023, they're still using the same tagline still, yet the manufacturer of the car, an electric car, is going to change the feel of performance. How is that impacting your marketing decisions, your advertising decisions? Well, I mean, I think BMW have done a pretty amazing job in terms of, you know, they, they, they are known, you know, they are rightly known for you know, building these performance vehicles. And I mean, it's, you know, performance means different things to different people as well. Like it's, you know, performance is not necessarily just speed off the line or, or anything like that, but BMWs are being built to be a great car for, for people to drive. Um, and as much as I don't want this to, to come off sounding like a BMW advertisement, but yeah, they, they spent a lot of time thinking about how to redesign their vehicles to make sure that they maintain their, their sort of distinctive handling characteristics. So BMWs famously, have a, a as close to 50 50 weight distribution between front and rear wheels as they possibly can mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that that's part of what makes a bmw feel like a bmw um, so with it you know obviously with an ev they've got all these batteries to accommodate now so how do they distribute the battery weight through the vehicle to make sure that they maintain that and i mean i'm certainly no engineer but it's um having driven a couple they you know it's if you didn't know, and I mean, you know, there's the, the obvious cues around sound and all the rest of it, but it, it still feels like driving a BMW. Oh, well, that's pretty amazing. It is. It's it's actually really incredible. Well, you know, just to have a commercial, we do have a, a, a four series interview 
um, with uh, um, Martin Puris, the man who invented the tagline, you know, the ultimate driving machine. And in, I believe, episode number two, he talks about how they won the BMW account. And it was so interesting because he talks about how they won the BMW account while all the other agencies were at, that they were pitching against were out whining and dining the marketing people. They went over to Germany and spent their time with the engineers. So even, you know, from 1979 to now, the engineers play an important role in the BMW experience. And now look, Absolutely. You, you and your wonderful agency happen to be among the many um, keepers of the BMW brand. <laughs> so congratulations yeah. to that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I think BMW are rightly very proud of. You know, they, you know the, the engineering, um, you know, as I said, I'm I'm not a car person, but you know, having worked on the account now for a little while, it's, it really is something, you know, the, the amount of care is that they put into it and the amount of thought that goes into all of the, the design and engineering is, is just apparent through everything they do. So it's, um, it's been a, a real eye opener for me, in a, in the best possible way. It's a great brand. One, you know, perhaps one of the best taglines ever written, written certainly has longevity. Absolutely story. right. So, speaking yeah. of longevity, how? What is your advice as we end with, uh, as we bring our podcast episode to the end? I always ask my my guests their advice, their most their most important advice to have longevity <laughs> in the advertising <laughs> business. <laughs> All right, that wasn't such a good segue, but <laughs> no, it, was, it was pretty good. Uh, um, I think for me, yeah, one of the things that I I, I took on quite early in my career and, and I still try and apply as much as I can is just to, to keep continually asking myself the question, but what if I'm wrong? So, you know, we, we come in, you know, we're paid to have an opinion about things and to, to help inform our clients' opinions on things and, and, you know, give them the tools that they need to go to market. But I think it's, it's a useful tool to sort of take that step back sometimes and just sort of Think about all right. This is I believe this to be correct. This is what I think is the best possible thing for my client to do, and that's yeah, that's what we do. But take that step back and say, but what if I'm wrong? Like, what if one of my assumptions is wrong? What if I you know I'm misreading the market here? What if the the audience that I'm trying to talk to is maybe not the right audience? And it just it, that giving yourself that perspective occasionally, I think, can really help you um, get a sense of you know maybe there's something else out there. You know, a lot of the times you'll continue to do the thing that you were going to do anyway. Um, but sometimes you'll you'll ask yourself that and you know, it can surface some additional thoughts or some things that might have you thinking a little differently about what you're about to do. I love that advice. You have to reconvince yourself that you're going in the right direction, right? Yeah. And if you can't, then... Wow, you better go back to the drawing board. <laughs> or go yeah. back and figure out what at what point you made the wrong turn. <laughs> That's it. And it's, it's about unpicking some of those, you know, the, the thought processes that you've gone through and, and making sure that, you know, along the way that you've, you're actually making or that what you thought was a logical leap at the time is actually logical. Uh, I mean, I've, I've couldn't tell you how many times during the course of my career where I've gone back and went, oh, I just don't know what I was thinking there. Well, you know, it, it, our, our industry is an industry of optimization. I mean, um, and you live in a you live at a digital agency, so I'm sure you're constantly being filled with more data to fine tune. You know, you, maybe you're not as right as you can be at first, but you can certainly start getting better and better and better at it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we could have a whole separate conversation on the yes. data thing, but yeah, it's, I mean, there is a, a, a world of data out there and you know, that, that universe is expanding all the time. Um, the one thing I would, you know, I, I would just advise a, a sort of a, it's maybe a two for one here. I mean, yeah. maybe going a little bit too far off. off Go track, for it. As people start to talk about becoming more and more data driven, I would just advise a healthy skepticism there and try and be data informed rather than data driven. So, you know, data-driven implies a sort of passivity to me, and it, it, we're getting into semantics here, but it's, if you're allowing the data to dictate what you're doing, you know, you're sort of surrendering a little bit of the, you know, you, you're taking yourself out of the driver's seat, if I you can extend the, the metaphor to, uh, to that. I'm, I'm Whereas if you're data, that. <laughs> yeah, so if you're, if you're data-informed, though, you're using the data to help you make your decisions, to help you do things without it letting, without letting it dictate what you're about to do. So... Yeah, you know, it's, I, I just have a, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I will use any data that I can possibly get my hands on, but just, you know, treat it with a little bit of skepticism sometimes, treat it with, you know, um, you know as, as a, as an input, not necessarily as the, you know, the be all and end all in terms of driving what you do. I could, hey, there's a, another metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Data told you what happened, not what will happen. <laughs> exactly right. Right. So thank you, Cam. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And as I find every time you and I sit down and have a conversation, it usually goes longer than we planned it to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, talking to you takes us off in, in all sorts of directions and I, I love it. So thank you. I appreciate it, Neil. Me too. Thank you. The opinions of this episode's guest, Cam Pegg, are his alone and do not represent the opinions and thoughts of his client BMW or his agency, Critical Mass. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues Professor Audrey Siegel-Mavora, Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating.